0: Hello, everyone. This is the Health Points podcast where we talk to everyone from academics, scientists, researchers, designers, and people leading gamification companies, all about gamification and health. I'm Ben Wilkins, and here is my co host, Pete Jenkins. Hi, everyone. And today on the episode, we have Kartika, who is the founder and CEO of BrainBerry. She has degrees in Biomedical Engineering and Theoretical and Mathematical Physics with a Masters in Biomedical Engineering. In previous senior roles, she's developed a nanotechnology-based glucose monitoring device and is the author of Pending Patents in EEG Technology for Alzheimer's and Glucose Monitoring and has published work on the design of biosensors with gold nanoparticles. She's graduated in biomedical engineering in 2012 and founded BrainBerry in 2015. Since then, she is involved with all her heart and energies in the company. She has more than eight years of managing experience and innovation and research projects with a special focus on digital interactive technology to deliver user experiences. Kartika, it's great to have you on the show today.
1: Ben and Pete, yeah, thank you. Thank you for the great introduction.
0: Right, it would be great, first of all, to tell us about your background and how you ended up in your role and founding BrainBerry.
1: All right, yeah, so my background is biomedical engineering, as you have said before, and I've been uh, interested in biomedical since my teenage, but I've been always uh, interested in being an entrepreneur as well. So when I was working for my uh, previous company, working on continuous glucose monitoring everything was going great except like i just wanted to start a company and i didn't know where to start right i didn't have an idea or nothing seemed right for me but i think i jumped into one of my diaries which i wrote like 10 years 15 years ago i think 10 years ago and i just said to myself i'm going to do something for alzheimer's one day And that was part of my experience with my grandmother when she had dementia, Alzheimer's. And I think it did affect me greatly as a teenager, not only me, my entire family. So when I read that, I thought maybe this is the right way to go. And the moment, it just felt right. And the ideas just came after that. And I started the journey from there. Don't ask me how did you start with gamification because the idea just came to me. I don't know why I bumped into gamification, but it just was the right, I felt it was the right idea to go.
0: Before we go into gamification then, can you give the listeners an overview of what BrainBerry does and what are the services that you're delivering?
1: So in BrainBerry, we really specifically focus on neurological conditions. But having said that, right now, our very much focus is on dementia. And the idea is to delay the progression of the disease and improve the quality of life of people with dementia. So what we do is we are working on cognitive gamification to stimulate the brain and improve their cognition, and uh, to to bring the gamification to next level or the stimulation of the brain or the treatment to the next level. We've developed a wearable headset that measures the brainwave activity while the uh, while people are playing these games. So what we do is basically our AI would detect which Part of the brain gets activated or deactivated while playing different sections of the gamification. And we would pick up if your brain, a certain part of the brain is not functioning properly or not activating, basically, neuron firing is not happening. And we would try to personalize the gamification for that particular cognitive symptom. So it becomes a very personalized treatment. And the reason we are doing this is every person is different, though we term them with certain condition, right? You can say depression or you can say dementia, but every person is different. And especially with dementia, it's much more complicated because people start with very, very different symptoms and everybody is different, even though you term them as vascular dementia or Alzheimer's. People start with different symptoms, but everybody ends up with all the symptoms at the end. Because we are targeting at the early stages, we want to focus on those specific cognitive functions that are degrading and try to improve this improve those specific symptoms uh if you look at my personal experience for my grandmother it was just she started with anxiety and stress and she started shouting at people for the first two three years right before her memory could go bad so instead of just focusing on the memory We could have focused on something like meditation and stuff to bring her anxiety and stress down. Probably that would have helped her. So that's the whole idea of this, to personalize the treatment. And we use the gamification to stimulate the brain. And we use the brainwave activity to identify which part of the brain needs stimulation.
2: So how many areas of the brain are you identifying? I'm interested about the size and scope of this.
1: Uh, We are trying to address all the brain regions like the frontal, temporal, parietal and occipital. These are the four main regions of the brain. And we are trying to cover all of them with uh, 16 electrodes or a sensor.
2: So how many different exercises or games do you need for each of the four areas of the brain?
1: Oh, you, you can go on with n number of games. That's not the problem. There's no specific thing to it but it really depends on who your end user is and what you're trying to achieve would be the more question. Like if you look at cancer, you would like, if you take cancer for children, then the gamification design would be completely different from doing a design for cognitive enhancement, right? So it, it, you can't pinpoint and say, oh, this is the number of games, but it's more depends on who the target user is.
2: Well, could you talk us through one of the games?
1: Oh, oh, all right. OK, so currently we have 36 gaming activities in the app and we focus on eight different uh, categories. And out of that in the cognition, we focus on seven categories like reminiscence, which is very personalized for the individual. Visual tools, or which really focuses on patterns and colors as people with dementia get frightened and greatly affected by colors and shapes. Daily tasks, uh, which looks into making a cup of coffee or doing a gardening. The whole idea is to stimulate their brain and see if they practice it on through gamification on real time, will they be independently able to make their cup of coffee or tea, right? And it focuses on uh, languages, like to identify simple letters or words of the objects they find. It could be keys, car, cat, dog, anything, languages. And we focus very specifically on spatial memory as well, where uh, we look into navigating into different regions or different streets. And uh, spatial doesn't just mean navigation, but uh, identifying a positioning of a clock or positioning of numbers within a region and sequence. Yes, that is seven categories within the cognition. And uh, we focus on physical activities like simple exercises. And oh, in the emotional part, we very much focus on meditation, music. When I say meditation, it's just not one meditation. We focus on different types of meditation because you don't know what works for people. And once the headset kicks in, the headset will identify which one has actually
0: worked for people. Okay. Curious now, so you mentioned the headset. So initially I had this kind of Elon Musk NeuroLink kind of chip in a brain concept, but it's not, it's like a headband or something that's picking up the brain waves.
1: Yes, yeah. We're basically like trying to see what's really happening in the brain. We're not trying to, we are stimulating the brain through the gamification, right? So it's non-invasive. The headset is only monitoring what's happening. So
0: the headset is, you're picking up as a feedback loop what brain activity is going on.
1: Yes yeah it's scientifically called a neurofeedback mm-hmm. system and we've made it advanced through the ai
2: so if i can get this right what you're saying is you pretty much need to run through all the different areas of the games in order to trigger the different parts of the brain see which ones need more
1: so let's let's say like uh i'm using it for the first month or first week or so right we would encourage the users to play all the games in the first two weeks, so we can identify which part of the brain is deactivating or which f- gamification they couldn't do better, right? It's not only with the brainwave activity, because our gamification also collects data on the cognition. So we interrelate the cognitive activities, the cognitive cognition numbers we get, and also the brainwave activity.
2: Yeah, so you've got two main sources of data. And you're correlating That's them. That's right, yeah. I like that. What do you do about, I mean, it sounds to me like I'll be playing and then some of the games I might really enjoy and want to play more of those even though those might not be the ones that I need.
1: That's the point, right? That's the point. Uh, The moment you're enjoying it is, okay, you're enjoying a game is different from you've learned the game. Yeah. Right? And there is a difference between you've learned a game And there is the transition from learning a game into transiting into a behavioral change. So there is two different transitions. So there is one point I'm very comfortable with the gaming. So I'm going to just play this game because I'm able to play it. Whereas there is, but you will not be sure whether that game, let's say I'm playing a decision making game, right? So I'm making decisions on it. But then how do you know that I'm going to apply that decision making skill on a behavioral level? And the other thing is you might ignore a game because it's very difficult for you to play. I'm just talking from a dementia perspective right now. That means you're too tired to play this game. Then that's where the gamification would focus on because the whole idea is to stimulate the part of the brain that is going slower or trying to degrade. So once the headset comes comes in, the games that you've played a lot would stop and would it would force you to play the games that you're avoiding because that's where the stimulation needs to happen. And after a fun part, like after certain weeks, it's not fun anymore. It's purely addiction or boredom. So then the games would stop.
0: So you mentioned you've got 36 games within. And how did you get to 36 games? Um, And what was your decision design those kind of games and you mentioned within eight different uh, categories what was the rationale to get to that point
1: honestly we didn't know which one would work we were going for clinical trials so we decided to develop as many games that were relevant for cognitive uh, dementia symptoms so we developed 36 activities and we went through clinical trials and finally after two years now we have finished the clinical trials we know how many games work how many games people found it difficult and stuff so when we're doing our next version development we would be only focusing on the games that gave results during the clinical trials
2: i think this would be really interesting for our listeners and anyone developing games for health so how many of the games do you think worked based on the clinical trials what's the hit rate
1: it was interesting people you know like we had spatial games which were 3d games people did not play it because it was difficult for them to play it and we couldn't see any any output on the spatial working because people did not play the games. And we couldn't force them to play the games because they were so tired. And out of the 36, 28 of gamification uh, mainly, and we, we got 22 games working.
2: That seems like a pretty good hit rate, in my opinion.
1: Yes, yeah. But what's interesting is like, Even we can't eliminate the other six games as well because they showed some emotional and psychological impact, though they did not show any cognitive impact. So there is a balance to both emotional and cognition. You just can't focus on cognition. There needs to be like a psychological aspect to it to bring that behavioral change you're looking for.
2: You mentioned the clinical trials finished. So what sort of results did we see?
1: So we only asked people to play it for 28 days. And what we found is uh, we found MCI, which is a pre mild cognitive impairment, which we call as pre-dementia stage. People showed improvement in attention, new learning, visual memory and motor skills, which was very fascinating for us because we never thought about motor skills. And now we are trying to implement in stroke rehabilitation because it showed improvement in motor skills very specific specifically with alzheimer's people early alzheimer's, it showed great results in visual memory, new learning, and sustained attention so the attention span increased massively in people and the 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 thing that it improved visual memory shows that shows that like your gamification needs to be more fun visually implementing so i we thought that was interesting. So we are going for next clinical trials for next probably six months to see if we train it for six months, what are the additional cognition functions we would get. And we also found, as I said, with the neuroplasticity, we have found the shift from temporal regions to the frontal regions in some of the games saying, okay, a temporal region activation means it's a new learning, right? I'm learning something new. The moment that activation stops and it gots, gets into the frontal region of your brain, it means I've learned it. It's a long-term memory that's stored. At that point, we know this person has learned it. So we've seen shifts with the brain regions as well, but we got quite a lot of data to analyze, so we are still on analyzing it. Yeah.
2: I feel like I would really like my students to be wearing these while I teach them so I can see if the learning actually went in.
1: Actually, you can find if they are bored.
2: obviously they're not bored.
1: <laughs> I don't know. you have to see it.
2: Um, did you actually have any hard figures because that you talked about like massive impacts there? Are, th- are there any like um, percentage improvements, things like that that we can?
1: Oh yes, yeah, yeah, we've seen uh, a total of thirty six percentage cognitive improvement, a fourteen percentage decrease in negative mood seven percentage increase in positive mode and uh, neuroplasticity we're just still working on it so we don't have a percentage on it uh, we increased 88 percentage on apathy which was very interesting for us
2: that's very cool i'm fascinated by the concept of neuroplasticity in games because some time back i saw a piece of research that talked about something like 25 minutes of playing a really immersive game, the neuroplasticity such that people were able to overwrite old habits. And if you think about the other ways of doing these things, traditionally the research says on average it takes 66 days to create a new habit. So where are you going with this?
1: (laughs) We would say even if it's 10, it's more like a Japanese philosophy. Do it little regularly would help rather than doing for hours like every a month or so so we recommend at least playing 10 to 20 minutes every single day or at least three three to four days a week rather than sitting for one hour two hours on gamification every month or every week it's not going to help
0: and where do you see this going going in terms of what do you think the actual true change can be in people who are pre-alzheimer's
1: the idea is to delay the progression of the disease which means the quality of life will improve massively. Not only that, the economic aspect of it will come down massively, both for the NHS and the families who are trying to pay for the care system, right? So if people can live independently at home much longer with the disease and cope up with the disease, that's a massive change as a dementia community.
0: And what have you projected in terms of what those savings could be or what that delay could be for using BrainBerry?
1: Okay, we don't know, Ed. About the delay, how, how many years, because we still need, we are a long way to go on much more bigger clinical trials to establish that. And in terms of um, the money being saved, right now, uh, average family spends 32000 per year annually on the care. So let's say if we can even delay it for two years or three years, you're looking at hundred k per family. That's quite a lot. But forget about UK, but if you even think globally, if you look at Asia, there is no awareness for dementia at all. In most of the Asian regions, people take care of them in the house. So there is no care system, but it will reduce the anxiety and stress of the family members and the carers who are dealing with it. And there is no value for it. You just can't put a term of money to it, monetize it bringing the care and family member stress down in dealing with the disease along with the patient itself is a massive social impact.
0: Huge. And I can imagine being a family member or a carer, the idea that you're proactively supporting your family member, your friend, whoever it is, to better manage that condition or prevent it through games um, is a wonderful way to do that. What what I want to know now is demographic you're working with what was the average age within your trials and what's the average age within your users
1: this was very fascinating for us because our clinical trials focused on people with 45 to 65 the first clinical trials uh, but what we found is we were so shocked to see that more people were in their 45 to 55 region because the set onset, onset dementia has increased quite a lot in the last few years but uh, as we are selling the app now most of our users are in 80 plus. And they love the games because it's very simple for them. And we have two case studies. In one case study, this woman never used a tablet in her life. And she now knows to use the tablet and starts playing the games. So that was a use study for us, which was really great. And one of the users study was like, this man was, I think he was 85. And he was in the care home. But uh, when the when the family member took Cosma app to them and they were playing the reminiscence games, they started talking about their old memories and the conversation lasted for more than an hour. Uh, and the family member came back and said, look, if I would have gone for a normal day, I don't think I would have had such a great conversation with him. Right. Because the gamification and the personalization helped him to talk about certain things. So our clinical trials shows with ang- uh, really like onset dementia people, but our current users are 80 plus.
0: In that case, from a game design perspective, you mentioned mm-hmm. that you just created games and went to see what happens in the clinical trial. Are there certain things that you've learned that is more important when designing games for people in their 80s? Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. So when we did our first clinical study in emotional well-being, it was very interesting for us because we did it with the pre dementia people and the dementia people and we had all this 36 activities has only one level just one level plain level right the mci people the guilt factor came massively down because it was very simple games they were able to play it so that kind of emphasized them everything was right with them psychologically so the guilt factor massively came down right whereas for ad It was irritation, anxiety, and stress. There was nothing to do with guilt factor because they still found some games to be difficult even at level one. So that and also the MCA told they would like to have more levels and more challenging. So that's what we learned. Like even with levels, it doesn't work for everybody. The levels, when you're building up levels within gamification, it needs to be right for each stages of the disease. So... Now we are looking into stage zero, which looks at moderate to later stages of dementia, stage one for early stages, and stage two for m c i or any cognitive, stage four for stroke rehabilitation, and stage five for healthy people. So that's one thing we learned from the clinical trials, like not every stage is like you can't give simply five levels and say anybody could play it, so depending on the stages of the disease and what disease is it, the level of gamification would change. And the other thing we found is not every day is the same. And mood plays a great role in even encouraging people to play those games. Right? There is an impact after playing the game. But what about what is the factor that makes them to play the game in the first place?
2: So what I'm interested about here is you did games with the clinical trials. And now, from what you're saying, the app is available. It's called Cosma. And people can download it. Did you have to make any changes to it um, to make it commercially available? You know, did you find you had to improve the aesthetics? What did you, if anything, have to do to it?
1: No, we changed the aesthetics even before the clinical trials. We have to go through a small pilot study on the usability. We changed the, the UI of it. And... We put it in the market and we finished our clinical trials but with the clinical trial results what we're going to do is stage two a complete changeover where it combines with the headset because it has to go with the headset and but what we found what is going to be the transition is right now the app looks into each game separately but after the clinical trials what we found is exactly your previous point what if i like one game and i'm going to stick with that game right so let's say in our case, we don't see it as each game. We see it as different cognitive functions. Let's say I like reminiscence because my my memory is good with long-term memory. So I'm going to keep playing reminiscence, but I'm not going to focus on spatial memory because it's, I feel it difficult for me. Right now, the design is like, you go into reminiscence, you play all the games in reminiscence. You go into spatial, you play. So our next stage with the clinical trials we've learned is we're going to make it like a story. But when you finish a stage one, you're going to have at least one or two games in each cognitive function. So if they enter a stage one, they're going to have one game on reminiscence, followed by a game on spatial memory, followed by a game on visual memory. So you cover all the f- different cognitive aspects within a phase before you move to the next phase. That means changing the whole gamification design again. Yeah.
2: Okay. Just occurred to me, who's your target audience for buying and downloading the app? It's not, is it generally going to be a relative, a carer?
1: Usually it is. Yeah. It's the family members who buy it. Yeah.
0: So in that case, what I find interesting there is about, of course, as humans, We will try to avoid things we're not great at. Um, And if you have your users, your participants, because what they're doing is we all want to get to the point where we achieve mastery. And if the perception is this is a game I cannot get to the point of achieving mastery within it, why would I want to play it? How do you point people in that direction? How do you nudge them um, without forcing them to play the games that they need to play to improve their overall cognition?
1: You see, that's where the headset kicks in it becomes more interesting for people to really see what's happening in their brain. It's almost a real-time feedback to them to come to a point and say, look, we're not going to say you're not improving. You're saying, if you play this, you will improve. You can see the shift happening. So that might be an encouraging factor for people. But if, if you let people play what they're comfortable with, It's not a cognitive app, you know, it's just it's just any app like, I don't know, maybe Angry Birds or something. It's not a serious game. It just becomes gamification then. So there is and also there is again, if you look into serious health or serious games, you can categorize. Are you looking at a therapeutic, which means you have to force people by giving them rewards or doing something because you're trying to stimulate certain part of the brain? But if I'm just focusing on diagnosis, it doesn't matter. If they don't want to play the game, I know the diagnosis is on spatial memory dysfunction, right? So it again depends on what is your target within the gamification, what is the end point? Is it therapy? If it's therapy, you have no other choice, but you have to force people either by giving more rewards or giving them more time to play the game or showing the brainwave activity and showing them the benefits of playing the game that particular game for them but if it's diagnosis or just monitoring it doesn't matter
0: i suppose that's the really beauty of the headband did people in the clinical trial or do your users generally uh, do they have a measurable improvement in brainwave before they have a subjective experience of an improvement in cognition and if that's the case the capturing brainwave is essential because if it takes longer to notice subjectively those changes, people are not gonna believe there's a positive benefit to taking part in the game. What do you see and what feedback do you get from your users?
1: You see our headset is in currently in development. So when we did the clinical trials, we did it with a standard EEG during the clinical visits. But once the headset comes in, It's more like your brain, you're scanning your brain on a daily basis. So which means you actually can see the, it's almost like a video where you can see the shift happening over the weeks or over the months for some people. So that's a reality for people to see what's happening. Let's say like uh, we force them to play like a difficult game they don't want to play, right? They're going to hesitate. They're going to just not like it. But after two or three days, if you're showing, look, your brain is shifting, your brain is trying to help you. Can you can you just encourage yourself to play because your brain is working along with you to make this change? They might do it. If that answers your question. Sorry, I just forgot your question now.
0: (laughs) To agree, it does. I think the point being that just having a feedback loop is what's important. And also we can be misled by our own subjective perception of our abilities cognition the world there are times when i wake up and i find it difficult to do math um but i don't think actually i'm objectively any worse than math than i was two days ago but today
1: (laughs) that's true for anybody's today
2: respective
0: (laughs) but exactly i've got brain fog today and i can't do it but if you Hmm. have an objective way to do it such as the brainwave, um i'd imagine that's a much more motivating factor
1: that's right yeah
0: exactly do you, Is there a way, you mentioned about difficulty within different levels within games as well. Can you use the brainwave and the sensor to calibrate the games on difficulty? And what does that look like? How does that work?
1: Uh, it depends on which game. Let's uh, let's take an ex. Okay, let's take music. Let's say I'm going to close my eyes and listen to the music, right? And uh, I'm going to see some kind of activation in my occipital region, but also parietal region. If I see some activation in parietal region, I would immediately know that, look, this person is listening to the songs, but he's connecting with the song and is recalling some of his own memory with respect to the song because the parietal region is being activated. But let's say somebody is like listening to the music, they're closing their eyes, but they're sleeping. Then we actually know they're sleeping With the theta wave activated and the frontal region activated rather than the occipital or the parietal. So with each certain functions, you can find what brain activity and what brain region is getting activated. And you can connect with what the person, at least to certain extent, what the person is actually doing. It is great with meditation. I can actually sit and do a meditation and find whether actually I'm doing a meditation or people are sleeping or people are just bored. So it it depends on what brainwave gets activated, but also at what region it gets activated. It's very complicated because I might have alpha wave activated on a frontal region. Okay, an alpha wave means I'm so relaxed. Okay. But let's say I'm doing a music, then I'm not going to look at the frontal region. I have to look at occipital region because that's the part of the brain that triggers those music and visual patterns. But if my occipital region says I have a beta wave, then actually I wasn't relaxed.
0: And so based on that information, based on what you can read, do you change the game? Do you change the activity for the user?
1: Yeah, that's what we said. We changed the gamification. I mean,
0: does it suddenly level up into of difficulty within spatial awareness tracking or memory games? Uh,
1: let's let's say I'm playing a game and I know uh, from the brainwave activity and the cognitive measurements we make, I know this person has learned this game. Then that particular game would move to a next level to see whether they are still like able to handle that level. So there is a movement within per game on the difficulty level but there is also movement from different uh, cognitive functions. Uh, for example, let's say music and meditation, this person is really calm, then we are not going to play any kind of music or meditation to them. It will be focusing more on long-term memory or short-term memory. But within the long-term memory and short-term memory, you don't know which one they are specifically have gained knowledge or not. For example, in short-term memory, it could be working memory or spatial memory. So, when we talk about difficult levels, it could be within each game, or it could be within the whole cognitive functions of the game, or it could be here and there, various different functions within a certain level.
0: I wonder then, is it possible to cheat on the game? I've engaged with a lot of our uh, interviews, health gamification products to see what they're like. I I always try to break them. I always try to cheat with them. Is it possible to cheat or have you created a way that is now impossible to cheat because your brainwaves are being read by the game itself?
1: Yeah. When you mean by cheat, what do you exactly mean? Like putting a cheat code and cheating? No, not a
0: cheat code, not a cheat code. But um, you can skip through games in a way to realise. But you find maybe you kind of figure out the pattern.
1: We will figure out the pattern and we'll figure out the cognitive scores. And the moment we figure that out, all the games you're playing, which you like, let's say, would be stopped.
0: What I mean by cheating as well is there are some kind of uh, augmented reality or computer vision games as that, And you realize that you don't have to stand up fully to activate it. You can kind of cheat by raising one arm. And the computer vision or the augmented reality doesn't quite see that. So there are ways to cheat the game itself. All
1: right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I know. But uh, that doesn't work in actual 2D or 3D game, right? you have to use your hands to play the games. That's how we work on, we don't work on a joystick or something. We work with the tablet. So people have to use, and even the design is very specific for us, where people have to use their hands to make their decisions or make the games. They use their hands quite a lot. So the design is more focused on using their hands and making a decision. So I I don't really understand how you can cheat there, but if they skip their games, for several weeks and we don't see any cognitive improvements then the other games are going to be locked
0: the reason i bring it up is so within the kind of realm of rehab and community rehab people cheat all the time um you'll see people who have been told to do some certain exercise as part of their physical rehab and they'll find some way to overcome the system by, and so it's just it's such a common thing that people will try to cheat the system to make it easier for themselves. In, as humans, we inherently try to find ways to make it easier for ourselves. But seemingly, what you've created is a form of health gamification, a therapeutic intervention that can't be cheated by the user to
1: a certain level. I would say you can cheat the you can cheat yourself by not using the gamification <laughs> at all. You know,
2: I can see where this is going. Ben would like a waterproof version of the headset to go with his app for, for rehab.
1: No, we, we're we not only focusing on dementia. We're really, really focusing on mental health issues as well. Uh, the reason being is, look, I've, you know, my term of depression is very different from, you know, like how when you're a teenager, you think everybody thinks like you. So you don't have a problem. But after you grow up, you realize everybody is different. And for me personally, depression, I, I don't know what depression is. It was something I could really not relate with. My depression is uh, my way of when I say I'm depressed, it's like I'm sad for like two, three hours. I go for a sleep. I wake up and I'm fine. I, my depression is over. But that wasn't the case with my friends and people around me. So I, start, I was very curious. I started wondering, what does this mean? And I found that many people, the mental health issues that people are talking about, though I can't relate to them like on real time basis or phys- physical terms, I could relate with them like emotionally, like they are going through something. I don't know what it is. And that's when I, st- I thought maybe we should focus on mental health issues as well. I think the headset would play, once it's developed, it, it has massive application.
2: Well, you've, you've raised a question for me. Do you play your own games? I do. And do you find a difference?
1: No, the current games I we have designed for Alzheimer's is very simple. We would finish it within 20 minutes. Whereas for an Alzheimer person, it takes one end of hours, like 90 minutes to play all the games. Whereas a healthy person can play in 20 minutes. With respect to gamification, yes, I do. I always keep working on my PS4.
2: And something Ben said earlier about brain fog, and I'm thinking about like long COVID and stuff like that. Is there a need or a possibility to try it out as is for different health purposes?
1: You see, the gamification needs to change. The moment your target user changes, the gamification needs to change. But uh, you can look into simple things like, with the headset, you can look into simple exercises at home or doing meditation or running and walking. You can apply the headset still for those kind of activities, right? Let's say I'm doing a run and my brain is not calmed. Maybe I have to reduce the hours of run I'm making. It's not only about your physical health, it's also about your mental health.
2: There's a possibility there, isn't there, of um, some sort of calibration with the headset and then from then on recommending all sorts not even just your games, but other activities. Yeah,
1: yeah, the application is wider, but if you look into health, very specifically into health or any kind of conditions or disease, then the gamification plays a greater role because that's what stimulates the brain. With gamification, you can look into the science factor of it, like neuroplasticity and stuff, but there is also a philosophy part of it, right? This is how I think about gamification. Uh you know, the matrix that the whole reality is a simulation, right? So that's what a that gamification is in a minuscule part. So instead of focusing on like killing people or zombies attack and stuff, you can use the same gamification to promote or even educate the next generation to do the right things that the previous generation has messed up. So I see gamification as a... Uh, little, minuscule part of the universal stimulation thing, yeah.
0: Kartika, it'd be great to know over where you started, where you got to, what be the real things that you've learned? What are the bits of wisdom you've picked up um, that you can give to our listeners in terms of creating health gamifications?
1: Creating anything is hard. Anything you destroy takes minutes. Creating is really hard. So I think you need patience and perseverance are the two main things. And especially in the healthcare and gamification, I would really encourage, I know there is, you know, capitalism or business criteria to make money, but it's also important to do the things right so it benefits people. So I would encourage people in gamification to go through clinical validations. It's not only to improve the quality of the product, It also helps you to understand your product much better, which means you can provide the right product to the right people. So it's not only about validation. So I would, I know it's a very hard task going through clinical trials, going through medical device route, but sometimes you have to do the right thing to reach right place rather than doing something which would not take you anywhere. So I would encourage people to go through clinical validation, however small or big it is.
0: Where do you see the future of health gamification going, particularly within the area of cognition?
1: Again, I would stress my previous point. There are so many, if you look into the market, there are so many gamification apps. But the problem is they are not clinically validated. So once the industry moves to that standard, there would be really heavy and healthy competition, which is good. But right now, I don't see it like people claim so many things without any clinical validation. And that's not the right thing to do. And I think the industry needs to upbeat on itself and move towards the clinical pathway. But it has a great future for it because Germany has just Germany is the first European country to give digital prescription. So you can actually go and get prescribed by a doctor for a gamification product if it's clinically validated. And U.S. has given its first FDA approval for a gamification on ADHD for children. So people have started moving towards that route, and that's the right thing to go for, but still it's only 10% of the industry.
0: Very interesting point to finish on, and uh, the need for... Better regulation to highlight high quality versus low quality. Uh, Kartika, it's been great to have you on today to talk about brainwave activity to create cognitive games, clinical trials in validating health gamification, creating games for oxygenarians, and a novel approach to stopping people cheating in their therapy. Thank you very much for joining us today.
2: It's been great having you on.
1: Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, it was great.